for tuning into Small Big Wings, a window to the world of young, ambitious problem solvers. They are makers, designers, builders, hackers, scientists who heard their inner voice and amplified it. To learn more about our guest and to view the highlights of this episode, head on over to fbw.hvj.coach. Our guest today is Manoj Kumar. Manoj's three-decade-long career has included roles as an entrepreneur and investor, as well as a corporate leader spanning multiple sectors and geographies. He is the founder of Social Alpha, which is a unique initiative to strengthen the science and technology startup ecosystem in India, with a focus on lab-to-market enablement, with a mission to support entrepreneurs for their science and technology startups. Social Alpha has incubated and nurtured more than 150 startups, made more than 40 seed investments, and three exits. Manoj is also a senior advisor to Tata Trusts and lead their engagements with research and development institutions globally. In recent years, Manoj has been instrumental in setting up and managing Tata centers at several leading global institutions, including MIT. Besides this, he has also set up and managed the India Health Fund, popularly known as the IHF, which is an initiative seeded by Tata Trusts in partnership with Global Fund to fight the burden of public health challenges like TB, malaria, and other communicable diseases. Manoj also sits on the board of several leading institutions, helping them navigate with his inputs and experience. Today, we hope to learn from Manoj about his enriching journey, the impact Social Alpha is creating, and what needs to be done more to churn out ideas and entrepreneurism. Welcome, Manoj, to the Small Big Wins podcast. Thank you, Harsh. Thanks for inviting me. It's a privilege to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you. Manoj, let me start by asking you that you were a successful corporate leader, a successful investor. How, when did the seed of social alpha impregnate? Thanks, uh, Harsh, for asking that question. See, uh, I was always impressed with how our nonprofits and nonprofit leaders have been creating impact, working in very complex areas like agriculture, rural development, healthcare, sanitation, etc. And I have also seen in the last couple of decades the growth of entrepreneurship and also venture investing in India across areas like financial services, e-commerce, digital platforms, etc. So I you know, always used to think that why can't we solve not all but some of our complex development sector problems using innovation and entrepreneurship because if if you have complex problem like access to drinking water or agriculture productivity or cost of healthcare innovation can help us get there so how do we look at the power of innovation to create solutions look at like innovations in telecom they have been very empowering look at innovations in space technology they have been very empowering right so we, if we had innovations, we could solve some of these problems. But what I have also seen that innovations remain innovations if they are not taken to market and communities. 
and that is where the entrepreneurship becomes very important so the whole driving force behind social alpha has been the belief that entrepreneurship is a driver for economic growth employment and prosperity which has already been well established since industrial revolution how do we leverage the power of entrepreneurship and innovation to create impact in areas like healthcare energy education water and sanitation climate issues that is a challenge that we have to solve that's how this whole thing started actually after seeing a lot of successful years wasn't there any kind of doubt in you should i do this should i not do this see one thing i was very clear that while innovation and entrepreneurship has to be promoted in these sectors but these sectors do not easily attract support for innovation and entrepreneurship so we have investment capital providers risk capital provided like venture capital private equity impact investors we have incubation centers we have academic institutions but i think the whole ecosystem needs to be developed for promoting high impact entrepreneurship right because the business risk is too high market is not yet proven and the risk of market failure makes capital provided and business support infrastructure creators very uneasy and uncomfortable about this sector and while entrepreneurship potential is known and we have such a vibrant ecosystem to support a startup in india if you see i was just reading some data points that last year we had about 34 billion injected into india's startup ecosystem but most of this was in digital form how much of this went into waste management or sanitation or agriculture is still a you know small amount of money so one thing i was very clear that if we have to build this ecosystem i need support from philanthropy and government both without support from philanthropy and government we won't be able to do it but if we de-risk these sectors and curate these companies to a stage where they are attractive and have at least a valid business model to talk about we will be able to attract mainstream capital if you see the history of business a lot of industries uh, were run by public sector or government but today are run by private sector the risking happens and at some point of time you will see interest from venture investing or individual investors into agriculture climate change creating new markets is very important and you need philanthropic and government support and i was very fortunate that under great leadership of mr ratan tata who is the chairman they they decided to support us uh, government of india department of science and technology department of biotechnology niti aayog and you know we got lot of support from government of india we got support from state governments as well uh, and individuals right so several uh, individuals uh, and also corporate csr leaders uh, understood that supporting this initiative that is promoting innovation and entrepreneurship is also charitable activity and it fits into the definition of philanthropy and corporate csr and that's how we started i think another year or two before we become self sustaining because uh, and i will talk about that as we progress that how some of our companies are showing impact with financial sustainability and scale today how is social alpha different from other players in this space so harsh that's a good question so uh, i don't know whether we are different or not the the way social entrepreneurship space is copying 
the mainstream world is a big challenge right because in the mainstream world the institutions and ecosystem are very well evolved and developed so investors know what their role is when they need to come in and when they need to get out incubate also know their role is industry knows what their role is right so in the mainstream world because because building startups and building business is now no more a new activity the processes protocols methods everything is well established you have investment banks you have consulting firms you have infrastructure providers you have investors so all players right including policies and regulations everything is there to support mainstream world. and the sectors that we are talking about it's they are still evolving so the way we build social elephant the way it is different is we have integrated the innovation ecosystem the incubation ecosystem the venture acceleration piece investment piece market access piece all together we think that for a reasonable period we would need a single integrated monolithic way of supporting startups and as the ecosystem develops evolves then we will have some kind of a siloed break up of of this into you can have stand alone investors and stand alone incubators but right now we believe and this is what is coming out of our experiments as well that you need a, an integrated model of innovation incubation venture acceleration and investment it all has to be part of one stack and that is where you think that social alpha is unique and that's where we are unique yeah right we are basically a development platform right so we work very early even when the company doesn't exist or the product is still under development to a stage where you are getting into the growth trajectory right so we, we so that there is no value of that because there are multiple values of that if you are in your you know uh, entrepreneurial journey so we we try to make sure that we have a seamless pathway for successful startups and people will come in and drop out of this but it has to be a multi stage support model and when you say innovations what framework do you give it how do you define it that's core of the what's the architecture yeah so we basically start with problem statements right core to social alpha philosophy is let us work on problem statements which need solution so as a starting point we develop a thematic thesis for each sector right say healthcare or agriculture we go deeper into it do research analysis of problem areas we validate our understanding with key stakeholders which could be government ngos private sector consumers right for example in agriculture farmers themselves in healthcare clinicians and patients right so we validate our understanding of the problem areas with key stakeholders in each sector also talk to subject matter experts across private sector and government in community organizations and academia and each problem statement then is further detailed what have we done to solve those problems in past right where the success stories are where the failure is and we try to create a thesis around each problem for each sector thesis right we call it thesis this sectoral understanding acts as a guide to define what would be the minimum viable product for our startup if they have to go to market what would be the framework for product market fit so at a minimum viable product stage how much product market fit is there and what is the road map looking like so if somebody is working in a say 
solar powered uh, low cost water pump that works for small and marginal farmers in east india then what should be that product like what is that minimum feature function capability with which this product can actually go to market and what price point now this helps us evaluate and validate applications from innovators it helps us validate prototype and potential solutions it helps us estimate addressable market size so basically even before we incubate and invest in a startup we make an attempt to establish the demand and eventually what would drive the go to market strategy for our startup if i can call it right in terms of what kind of team you have what technology you have what business model you have and then we assess whether social alpha is in a position to support it and if not whether we can bring in our partner ecosystem to support it right so this thematic thesis is a living evolving document that keeps changing and it demonstrates our you know current understanding and drives us for continuous improvement so this is part 1 innovation search is based on problem statement and the way we search innovation it could be scouting so our team members go meet universities meet researchers across the world within india labs and academic institutions basically all these private even private sector the sources of innovation we do that we call it tech scouting we also run grant challenges and yesterday we announced one for waste management for example and about a month back we announced one for agriculture so every year we run three or four grant challenges which are now branded as tectonic the grant challenges also helps us to throw open these problem statement in order to attract innovators to apply for so we basically tell them through these challenges look we are looking for solutions in these areas and there is money of course other than money you have pilot validation sandbox support from private sector support from government and our partner ecosystem so we want we through these challenges we attract innovators and we show them look if you are part of the accelerator cohort that will be built at, at you know with the successful uh, winners in this challenge then you will get a lot of value from us so sometimes we pay for their pilots sometimes we pay for their clinical validations so that is the second way of creating the pipeline and then there is lot of walk in right so people come to us through incubators there are so many incubators in india so they send us their companies they come to us through other accelerator programs so a lot of people just visit our website so this is how we create the pipeline of innovators yeah i think this concept about creating a thesis is very interesting manoj and you started out with social alpha in 2016 yeah so we we started working on it sometime in 2014 15 but 2016 we finally became operational because it required several regulatory approvals funding and other things so i was bootstrapping it and then we got some some funding to kick start so we started in 2016 and then we fortunately people came in and support started so we grew between then and now manoj what has changed for you as a individual as a corporate leader earlier and now for the last 4 5 years as a leader in the social entrepreneurship space what is the dimensional change you see in yourself from the thinking perspective a lot first of all i have become very humble uh, <laughs> you know i must be very honest here that i used to be very aggressive in my always trying to do everything with the typical business 
mindset not really thinking about other problems though i had understanding of india social development sector but in my day to day working life i was extremely uh, you know aggressive and i think what what had happened after working with amazing entrepreneurs and investors who are on a mission to change some of the things that we take for granted like i am working with an entrepreneur who is working with waste pickers and when i see their the team's commitment to the problem of waste and the lives of waste pickers and their mission to create impact i feel that i just wasted my entire life making money for others you know <laughs> and and here are people who are extremely competent it's not that they had no choice to work in some of the best organizations most of my entrepreneurs in the portfolio are you know technologically aware socially conscious and very qualified and and they are all doing it out of choice so they they have made me very humble and i am really very sincerely i would say not only impressed but i have great amount of gratitude for these entrepreneurs right so they have given us a region for existence i would say in society the second thing is learning so first was the humility and second is learning i have learned a lot for example in our venture investing so when i was investing in companies we had a very fixed notion of investment you identify a company with a great idea look at the market size and then at some point of time if it's growing then someone else will come and give you exit growth becomes the driver multi layer investment investing models have been there in the press and everybody thinks that it's so attractive and glamorous but this whole sector is not about getting that kind of capital and growth so what i have learned that if you are building products for solving india's socio economic development problems you will have to completely rewrite the way business is done so for example you cannot create a negative net worth company and expect to raise money and become a unicorn without really moving the needle the kind of investment you have seen in the mainstream world won't will never happen here so what i have learned that profitability right the old school investment model right profitability before growth and then growing on internal cash accruals and then attracting external capital and partners becomes much more important which effectively means that the journey is going to be very difficult tough and it takes time before you have the scale the investment model is different and therefore the business model is also different if you don't change profitability and if you don't create positive cash flows most of the companies would have 6 months to 12 months runway and at the end of it they will have to raise money but they need to have internal cash accrual side so some of the lessons right in the way you manage your finances the way you manage your product development the way you go and check with your end customers very early in the game and make sure that there is someone who is willing to pay for your products you know these things are very important and most of the time capital will not be available or will be available in a small amounts and those lessons have to be learned one lesson that is very big actually i just keep forgetting about it because it sounds very you know intuitive now when we started we said that we will build this in incubation and investment ecosystem and we realized that a lot of 
entrepreneurs and innovators also need lab access where they can actually build their solutions right and what is available in our incubation ecosystem actually may not be enough because what they need is highly specialized infrastructure so then we started building uh, in innovation labs as well so now in partnership with government of india and tata power in delhi we have built a clean energy incubation center where any innovator in clean energies clean tech space can go and access whatever they need in terms of building the product so we have from you know 3d printers to equipments for energy sector to a battery testing facility to a small grid infrastructure you can do efficiency testing of appliances getting the physical infrastructure for product development and testing is as important as guidance and coaching on business management so we you know we realized that in first two years and now we have a model in social alpha where we bring in technology incubation and product development piece the business incubation strategy go to market piece fundraising market access piece all together to support these startups i think uh, that's very important and, and are more such labs coming up so we are doing a mix of our own lab and our partner lab because some of our partners have wonderful infrastructure so we have partnered with ccam which is one of the finest life sciences innovation and incubation lab based in bangalore in ncbs campus it's a government of india entity called ccam so uh, if we have startups who are working in life science space we actually co incubate with ccam with iit kanpur we have done something in agriculture so if we have agri tech startups we work with iit kanpur and co incubate with them for energy we built our own we have a nice 40000 square feet facility in delhi that i just mentioned about yeah and we are planning to build more capability we are planning to build one civic tech lab that works on the urban waste management and sanitation issues by bringing innovators there we are working on another agri incubation lab in northeast and eastern india and and then we have some accelerators which are like which are more like virtual so we have a climate accelerator and a healthcare accelerator yeah i'm going to ask you maybe a deviating question but it came from your last answer when you talked about your corporate life and your life after the corporate in social alpha so if you were to just give a piece of learning a piece of advice to corporate leaders today what would you like to tell them because not all of them can take the step which you have taken they will continue in corporate life what would you like to tell them see the corporate leaders can also contribute to the social sector significantly they have huge amount of expertise and knowledge right whether it's supply chain management sales and marketing operations right finance so corporate leaders can support startups in the social sector big time to their understanding and knowledge of this space one two corporate leaders also control csr funds so they can again use csr funds to support the startups and startup ecosystem but what corporate leaders can really do to help social sector or development sector startups is to bring them in their supply chain okay no amount of money and mentoring will help if you can as much as the help you can extend by procuring from them 
procuring from a startup and bringing them in your supply chain i would say the biggest contribution the corporate leaders can do to india is startup ecosystem and also the social innovation ecosystem because then you are not doing charity you are basically providing market access right and i'm not saying that you have, you procure at lower quality or higher price give them a level playing field that's all they are willing to compete and that would be really the single largest contribution that the corporate leaders could do yeah i think yeah. that's very key input manoj very important one if you look at the again history of india business history of india look automobile industry around it developed so many ancillaries right uh, if, if a car factory starts then people sell tires and and and, and steering or pieces of engines and car seats so the entire ecosystem develops right the ancillary industry develops because someone is developing a large industry i i think similar analogy developing an ecosystem of startups around them will help startups big time but corporations would like to do is to manage their procurement risk and supply chain risk right and i think they are very good at if they can provide a level playing field nothing like that but what comes in between what deters them for doing this manoj i think it all comes down to the doubt the risk taking capability right something is working fine why to disturb it but there are organizations who have really taken a step we have even government of india and some of the state governments now are willing to provide startups entry into their procurement system which is much more stringent than corporate like the whole procurement mechanism and tendering mechanism in government so it's opening up you know startup india for example has done some good work there and some of the ministries have clearly indicated uh, that procurement policies can be tweaked and Uh, there are some platforms which have been now created by government so i think we are progressing in that direction we need little more i would say active participation from corporate leaders uh, in this yeah. and in the last few years what have been those products which completely shook you up completely startled you when you thought that how is this even possible how did this not even come to light before what have been some of those see in our portfolio we have about 25 or 30 really good success stories yeah and let me give you some examples we have this company in kanpur called kanpur cloud cycling and their brand is full ankit the founder is a celebrity he speaks in every conference and every panel discussion the product is selling he is beating his monthly targets every month has raised the bridge round recently i am still on the board but i have seen the growth of this company from the time it was not even a company it was just a proprietorship or a partnership concern based in kanpur and i was one of the jury members in a challenge where where ankit and his colleagues presented and i was really impressed uh, with the novelty of the idea right so they were collecting flowers from the temples and then converting them into agarbattis today it has become a very well managed business has raised a decent round of capital has multiple products in the pipeline has an innovation lab in iit kanpur and has beaten all the numbers despite covid right 
amazing innovation brilliant entrepreneur smart marketer when everything gets together for success that makes a lot of difference this is one example right i'll give you one more more example in deep science and technology so we have uh, one biomedical engineer from chandigarh who has built a catheter reprocessing system which is now being used in some some of the hospitals and recently has been selected as one of the innovators we have another scientist who has built uh, world's first liquid helium free mri machine that runs on a 1.5 tesla magnet gives better speed and resolution than any of the existing machines from mnc's and has a lower cost of operation and therefore lower cost of scan and is going through the clinical trials and validations right now and again this is called voxel grid and when we incubated voxel grid it was not a company we actually hired the entire team on our own balance it and we call it now in balance it incubation basically the only way we could incubate them was to hire them in on our roles and then for a year and a half we you know picked up all the expenses and then once they got the traction we hyped it up as a separate company in case of uh, cool we actually incubated the company co incubated then with guy kanpur but we were the first investors so we have tried multiple models we have tried entrepreneur in residence model we have tried incubation model we have tried accelerator cohort model and we have tried to work across maturity or the life cycle stages of that startup but we have seen some fantastic we have a company in our portfolio called cremancy they are an animal nutrition company so they use vegetable waste to convert it into animal feed and that improves the uh you know quality of uh, milk for example in dairy so they are doing extremely good we have a company that is working on satellite imaging and then provides agriculture input to the farmers and it came out of iisc and then venture capital arm they have co invested with us it's called satyukt analytics so we have companies in energy environment agriculture water and sanitation education and they are all everywhere we have some some of these examples of amazing companies and and see these uh, the best part is all these entrepreneurs had a choice right to take an easier path of getting a job and working on a payroll but they are all risk takers and very they all have clarity of their mission that they need to create impact but they need to create impact through sustainable business models in fact we incubated a few non profits as well uh, because we saw a lot of promise in them and their business models and one of them has converted into a proper business and wants to scale now so i i think the point we are trying to make is give entrepreneurship also an opportunity to create impact and it is possible but it requires innovation and it requires some deep science and technology thinking the business model and process innovation has already got us where we are so we have lot of great companies which have grown by just changing the business model like microfinance for example is a business model innovation right and a channel innovation and outreach innovation and it worked out well now you have microfinance is now the mainstream business no more limited to grants or philanthropic investing but mainstream bracket venture capital firms and private equity firms are now investing in microfinance microfinance is now absolutely as mainstream as any other industry when you say that these entrepreneurs they are risk takers and they have got great clarity 
what could be one or two of the biggest areas where they fall short harsh a lot of them are first time entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and the first time entrepreneurs they are trying to do everything for the first time and this is not something that is taught right so there is no course called a master of entrepreneurship you do that and then you become an entrepreneur right so it's not an acquired skill right and a lot of this comes from an individuals upbringing background their way of thinking their risk taking ability but a lot of this also comes from acquiring certain skills right and sometimes you have for example influence of a leader on you and then you try to become like her and him so i think most of the entrepreneurs that we see while they have a reasonably good amount of clarity on their innovation piece very few of them actually have clarity on how will they take their innovation from lab to market especially when it comes to deep science and technology writers they actually come out of a career in science and technology and then they become entrepreneur so they really need hand holding there and and we have seen that a lot of people give lot of weightes to mentoring coaching but more than mentoring coaching i think finding the right co-founder is very important so mentoring and coaching is very important because it allows you to reach out to people who have more knowledge and understanding of an area and they can give you insights but the risk cannot be shared by a mentor risk is always shared by a co-founder so now we actually advise all the founders that this journey is difficult at times you will think you are alone and lonely in the entrepreneurial journey i have personally witnessed that in my stints so it is good to have co-founder if you have co-founder who is ideologically and you know in principle aligned with you then being more than one person building a company is always easy and if it not easy then you know what you are sharing you have somebody to share the risk and reward with i think nowadays based on the, this i cannot say that i am 100% confident but i am reasonably more confident that you should not do solo you have some exceptional uh, skill it's always good to have a team of one or two people yeah i think what you are really talking about is i think it gives that psychological edge yes and makes it complemented so i may be good in marketing and you may be good in science those kind of things yeah. building uh, co-founding team i think is the single largest success factor i would say for a startup founder finding people who can be co-founder which means you have to have a mindset of letting go and that is not easy right you have been you know a successful corporate leader and that not many people let go so letting go is very important because the value of letting go comes back to you in a much larger success that's a very nicely put statement the value of letting go comes back to you as a much larger success sometimes you may have faced situation when everything works out for this investment and then it still doesn't happen what are the reasons for this so there are several reasons but let me highlight a few there is an entrepreneurial fatigue after 2 3 4 years some people burn out and some people are at a stage where business is not growing but at the same time they don't want to let it go because it's still a running business right difficult really difficult situation where you want to grow it or you want to exit 
or you want to convert into a large organization but things are not happening but at the same time it is still attractive enough to you know continue we have seen those situations we have also seen where things don't work out uh, you have a great product but nobody is willing to pay for it for example we have one company in our portfolio where they have first of its kind product in the indian market uh, there is a need and demand for the product in indian market but i think they will get more success in us where the market is more evolved and in, in india there are initial proof points that the market is there uh, people like the product but the price point is not matching right so yeah and we have seen actual outright failure also like we have startups that started with a great promise and they could not just execute so sometimes you have great ideas great entrepreneurs uh, you know with great ideas and great presentation but when it comes to execution when the rubber hit the road as you say that's where we see execution issues one thing that i have learned is that there are so many people with great ideas and the gap between great idea and innovation and success is execution capability and i i still remember even in corporate life we have seen people always are better in execution than anything so good execution is actually very important and i was giving you example of ankit for example pool he is super when it comes to execution right you give him a target you give him an idea and then you know he would get it done so that i can do it approach is very important yeah i think ankit is uh, very street smart and savvy also i have had the opportunity to visit his plant in kanpur and yeah and he was also on this podcast before a few months okay okay incidentally yeah, yeah. No, i i like him a lot because he was one of my first search discoveries and and then another thing i have seen right i have worked with entrepreneurs who are very young in their 20s i have also worked with entrepreneurs in their 50s so shekhar for example uh, founder of hasirudala which is the waste management company based in bangalore you know nearly my age maybe a year older than me also and he he worked in corporate life he is very well educated iit madras i am kan calcutta worked in india worked in us but you know what he is doing he works with waste pickers now so he his life's mission has become building a waste management enterprise in india working with waste pickers and impacting their lives by creating a micro entrepreneurship model that he has created and despite all the difficulties of the sector he ended his last year with a decent revenue number and he is on a growth trajectory just raised the bridge round also so yeah uh, see the best part of doing what i am doing here is i i get to meet some of the most dedicated mission driven and smart people in this part fantastic they were so good to hear i would like to ask you a little bit about your your journey with tatas you know what when i went for presentation about social alpha and we got a grant approved by tata trust at that point of time i was offered a, you know a position advisory position where i was supposed to work on their investments or their grants in educational institutions for science and technology so they realized that I, I, my background is innovation curation and and entrepreneurship so I, it it helped me get closer to a large number of educational institutions and research centers globally so i accepted that and then then they asked me to build india health fund which i built from scratch and now 
we have hired a CEO and I have handed it over. So I'm still on the board, but I moved out of day-to-day operations. So my biggest, I would say the best thing was working with India's top philanthropic organization, an organization that has built institutions, IISC, TIF, TISS, etc. Was very, I would say, not only a great learning experience, but also very, you know, insightful, right? And that how philanthropy built a number of institutions in India and the number of NGOs and field organizations funded by directors is just mind-boggling. The work they do in cancer research and, and, and delivery of health services, that's amazing. The work they have done in nutrition is amazing. And data-driven governance in sanitation, the, the data water mission and all that. So this is one organization that is very widely present across the country in livelihoods, in healthcare, nutrition and such areas. It's been a very, I would say, good experience associating with Tata Trust. So that was my journey with Tata Trust. Uh, but I think we should have more philanthropic alignment with science and technology. Uh, a lot of science and technology investment in India is required and government does that. I think the way Tata Trust supplements it and sometimes leads the pathway for science and technology research in India. I think a few more organizations could do it. We need more. I think this is one, only one Tata Trust. I think we need more. Yeah. And Manoj, uh, do you have a, a special memorable moment to share with us during your association with Tata? Something which kind of completely give you a new perspective on how to look at things or how to look at life even? See, there are, there are several stories and interesting incidences, but let me share with you. This was in Harvard when I was part of AMP 184. So one of the Batchmates was Venkat, who used to work with Mr. Tata. And during one of the sessions in HBS, uh, Mr. Tata visited us and met the entire class and uh, spoke to all of us. And it was a great session. Like he spoke absolutely off the record about his perception of business, his perception of uh, philanthropy, his belief, his belief in what he has done throughout his life and demonstrated right that every time and the couple of sentences which i will never forget one was that that the wealth you have you are actually a custodian of that not an owner right i i will never forget that it's a very short sentence where he said that we are all custodians of wealth and a business what is the social obligations of a business and i think that if you see history of the tata family like right from Jamsetji Tata's famous statement about the whole purpose of a business is community to Mr. Tata's, you know, continuous support of innovations and startups and big causes like nutrition and health and livelihoods demonstrates that conviction. Got few opportunities to interact and listen to him. And every time he says something, you keep thinking about that how can an industrialist of that stature be so humble and so simple, right? Yeah, it's a privilege to associate with Tata Trust in any form. And it has been a great learning experience. Absolutely. So many thanks to you for sharing this. I think this one line 
is going to make me look at life in a different manner. And what are the Tata centers? You have off late been associated with a lot of Tata centers. There is a Tata center in IIT Bombay that basically works on, you know, design and engineering and, and basically promotes early stage innovation and research in, again, the areas like health, sanitation, etc. It's a great center in a great institution like IIT Bombay. A similar center is in MIT in, in Massachusetts, in Cambridge. Then there's a Tata Institute for Genetics and Society, which is based in Bangalore. And I had the fortune to basically build it from scratch as part of my assignment with Tata Trust. So I'm still a trustee there. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful institute inside NCBS campus. And this is Bangalore Life Science Cluster. So it has... A national center for biological sciences it has in stem which is a department of biotechnology center focused on stem cell research it has c camp which is one of the finest incubators in the country c camp has incubated some of the great companies like bugworks you would have seen in press and tigs is again part of the same campus so yeah so you know like tifr was built even before india was independent so this is a Amazing organization, right? The more you read about the history, how IISC was set up and then Mr. Jamsetji Tata died and his son actually built IISC and it went in as new as TIGS. So it's a history of, see, a lot of people know about Tata Trust because of the philanthropy and charity they do. So because philanthropy and charity makes news, right? You gave money for a cause. That a lot of philanthropies do, right? So you will see Tata Trust name and other philanthropy name. But one thing that Tata Trust does very well, and I keep repeating this in every conversation, they build institutions. Institution building is not something that will show you the result in one year or 10 years. It takes several years for an institution to mature and start delivering. So these are really long term. So someone building an institution today will not get any immediate return. But you have to have vision in 1945 of building a you know, TIFR or TISS. Or, these institutions are built with very long-term vision of taking a country and a society to a much larger level. Something like ISRO or something like DRDO doesn't deliver in one day or one month. So TIGS is another example, right? So building institutions which will give positive result over a long term and still do that right for the sake of society country and humanity i think that vision is big doing charity is fine you know you and i depending upon how much money we have we can also do charity right doing charity is entirely different than building institutes so while Trust is very famous for doing charity philanthropy and supporting number of causes and i really admire and appreciate that but building institution is something that is very unique about Tata Trust. And I hope that continues. That's, that's really powerful. Tata Institute of Social Sciences, such, such a fine social science institute. right? On the personal side or on the leadership side, you said that it's important to let go and then a lot of success comes back to you. In a similar manner, I think when you look at this whole Tata story, just letting go and so much comes back to them. Yeah. Yeah. Manoj, I think two more questions I have for you. You are the founder of Sustain Plus Energy Foundation. And, yes. and there you aggregate climate action capital. 
Can you yeah. tell us where that stands today? It's a relatively new initiative. Haris Hande, who is the founder of Selco and Selco Foundation, also a Maxis awardee, very passionate about energy access. Ganesh Neelam, who runs Sini, which is one of the finest organizations under Tata Trust umbrella, works on the livelihoods in Central Indian Tribal Belt. And myself, three of us co-founded Sustain Plus. The objective of Sustain Plus is to see that the clean renewable energy right, can be a driver for livelihoods and development in rural India. We look at new innovations, validated ones, and then use these innovations. And we started recently, not a very old organization, just about a year and a half back. And then we work in livelihoods, agriculture, and other areas where energy is the enabler. So basically focused on SDG 7. So it's supported by Tata Trust, IKEA Foundation, and now we are talking to a few other foundations. IKEA Foundation is a big supporter for clean energy. We are still building this organization. It's a very narrow but very big focus, you know, sustainable energy for development. And uh, Manoj, in the science and technology startup ecosystem, if things were to happen just the way you wanted, what would be the first few things you would want? We need some really deep investment incubation and investment of technology so mit has done this very well they built this engine so the engine is part of mit right it's in the campus but it has a world-class incubation facility for deep science and tough tech space right really tough technologies so like phd scholars would become co-founders start a research and translate into a solution kind of thing but they have a venture capital fund within engine so engine's capability is not only to incubate but also invest large amount of money in the startup that it incubates i think that science and technology ecosystem in india is very well developed right now and we have institutions and incubators but we need to build venture capital capability within the incubators right so that they incubate and also provide blended finance. They should, because see, equity money comes in later, right? So you have to have deep pockets and therefore access to funds to invest through grant and equity, depending upon how a company is progressing and have a longer runway. So in India, we have now is the stage where we have built the infrastructure for incubation. Government of India has done a fantastic work in that space. But we need to now grow this infrastructure to increase the runway of the startups and then attract the kind of capital that is available in some of the Western countries. And one way of doing that, and that is something that has started happening, again, thanks to the Government of India initiative, creating these clusters. So if we can have these cities with the clusters of institutions, you have engineering, medical schools, they are all in the vicinity. And then you have incubators and venture capital and corporations around that so see when you go uh, to silicon valley or or you go to say boston cambridge area see a lot of startup activities happening because of the role of role what the stanford or mit harvard would play in play in that geography academic complex and our person and investment ecosystem and our corporate complex they need to converge and we need to have you know some kind of that clustering 
and that some beginning some of some beginning has happened in that so bangalore i think is had that advantage right so it has iisc and ncbs and c camp and some of these institutions in the vicinity clustering of different players and then that ecosystem has to grow right for example in delhi id delhi aims and some of these institutions do some collaborative work that needs to increase i heard uh, i was talking to people in iid kanpur and i heard that they are trying to build a medical school in iid kanpur i said there cannot be a better news than that because if you really want biomedical engineering innovations to come out of india's engineering colleges you know a campus that has one of the finest engineering college and one of the finest medical school would be like a great place for people to actually build their biomedical engineering how do you see the future in terms of entrepreneurism in terms of entrepreneurial activity in the coming decade or so i think the best part is earlier people wanted to follow typical career paths right so research doctor engineer academician and all that but nowadays you see a lot of people want to become entrepreneurs and not only software application digital world but people want to become entrepreneur in tough technologies like hardware and devices and diagnostics entrepreneurial risk taking is definitely increasing and hers you will be really surprised actually you will be pleased to know not surprised because you you have seen uh, you know nooks and corners of the country that earlier entrepreneurs used to come from bombay bangalore delhi etc but now we see entrepreneurs coming from jodhpur and kanpur and indore and so this tier 1 tier 2 tier 3 cities migration of entrepreneurship is visible i expect that over the next 10 years we will have entrepreneurs coming from every state in india even a smaller town entrepreneurs coming from bangalore is normal right uh, but entrepreneurs coming from smaller towns will completely change the dynamics and that would more like a movement you have more entrepreneurs and more job creators not just the job seekers fantastic i am very optimistic about the future hers because my generation talked about how to get admission in a good college or how to get a good job right and probably uh, i was at the transition stage when private sector was also picking up my previous generation would be only about government jobs and all that i think the new generation especially nowadays i hire a lot of these 20 somethings directly from the college the new generation understands the importance of risk taking importance of entrepreneurial activity and they want to do something big and this desire to do good is really very strongly present now in the new generation they are very well aware they thanks to internet they, some of them are very well read and some of them are extremely sharp and some of them want to become innovators and entrepreneurs so i think that is very positive and i think we can only do one thing that support this if i can use the word entrepreneurism right so support this new culture that would be great fantastic panoj as i end this i have to read out something to you and this is for you and for all the entrepreneurs you are working with and you are going to support in future these are few lines from a gentleman called john maysfield and he expressed this thought in the following way adventure on and if you suffer swear that the next venturer shall have less to bear your way will be retrodden make it fair awesome amazing 
Thank you for that. Thank you very much, Manoj, for joining in today, sparing your time. I hope that we will have chance to interact again on this platform a couple of years down the line. Thank you so much. Thank you, Manoj. Good. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye.